All right, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Mashevsky, and this episode is very special because I get to interview one of my good friends and partner in crime at the Restore Clinic, Dr. Sarah Forster. She is the chiropractor that I work with every single day and get people moving and feeling better and still lift heavy shit in the gym. She is honestly one of the best practitioners out there and I'm really excited for you guys to listen to her chat about rehab, her journey into the chiropractic field and everything else. So here we go. So uh, maybe to get started, (laughs) we can... uh, start off with a little intro of who you are, what you do, and how did you get into the chiropractic industry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, my name is Sarah Forster, and I'm a chiropractor. And I got into the industry through playing sports and dealing with my own injuries as well as trying to deal with other people's injuries and realizing I didn't know enough about healthcare, about medicine, the human body. So I just decided to, in my mind, take the course that was gonna give me the highest level of manual therapy and um, try and have all the tools to best help the person at hand. Sweet. Okay. So I like to unravel things to get like really into who you are. What you were going to ask for your first question. I was going to ask you to tell me actually. Yeah. Um, When it comes to like people with doctorates, it's what like one interesting thing to me is like people who get like a PhD in something that doesn't really matter in the world. (laughs) They're like, (laughs) they're like, I need to be referenced as a doctor always, and I'm kind of curious on like because like even your intro you just said you know, Sarah Forster you didn't go doctor like why do you feel like some people, especially in the like health industry, need to have that title above their head? Um, I I've had a lot of debate in my head and with other people about this exact question. But I think it just, they want to be taken seriously and in a way, well, we've earned the right to be called doctor, but I don't think, I I think because chiropractors specifically have had such a bad reputation in the past that we want to kind of prove that, you know, we're not like that anymore and that we're more serious, more evidence-based, more medicinal, um, maybe than we we used to be. I don't really think the title matters. I think once you meet someone and once you talk with someone, you, you know if they know their shit or not. Mm-hmm. But I think it also helps, um, I mean, to receive a doctorate, you have to have a certain level of knowledge. And um, for example, we learn about how to rule out cancer and how to identify cancer and uh, tumors and things like that so I think it's important that people know that you know we went to school to be able to 
treat people's health problems, whether that's bone and joint or other problems that we have to refer out for. Sweet. So, yeah, it's a long-winded okay. answer. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, for your practice and our lovely clinic here at Restore, because yeah. a lot of people at the gym, they kind of, like, what I notice is they kind of just refer to you as Sarah. Yeah. Like, do you feel like that makes you cringe where you don't hear the doctor or like do you feel that it connects you to the patient a little bit better it's interesting because <laughs> in the past I would have been like oh no they don't take me seriously or um I wouldn't have a, a lot of people won't agree with that casual relationship like I do have a, with a lot of members here but um now I've actually really grown to like the casual manner of calling me Sarah or even having nicknames for me like Dr. Bones or um I think that it shows people that I'm real I don't need to be feared and like um I'm there for them so I, I find that especially in the gym like because I sometimes am working out with patients doing yoga with patients um and although I've thought about it a lot and wondered if that's like too casual um it's actually had a lot more benefits than it has risks so I think it's a pretty cool experience and I think other people that try to confine themselves to like you know doctor white coat um clinically based um I think they're limiting themselves to helping people I, I really do so I've I think it's pretty cool the setup yeah we have here I think that will lead into like a cool question where because like when I train clients like know you can hire any kind of trainer but it comes down to like personality and how you create an environment for that client to thrive for sure so i'm kind of curious like with your practice like what are like things that kind of run in your mind where you're like i want to create a safe space for this patient i want the patient to like feel that i'm more than just another practitioner that they can just like go down or up the street and go see another chiro like how do i create the space for them to feel welcomed or yeah and then kind of like adding your because like most chiros that are older kind of want that you know hierarchy like i'm the doctor you're only per- like saying me saying like referring to me as with my last name um whereas you're kind of like what we were talking before having a little bit more of a casual approach and people right. feel more open to it so i'm kind of curious of like how do you kind of create that environment in the actual clinic room yeah that's a great question and trial and error for sure has taught me what to do and what not to do. For example, like um, treating friends can be challenging and it's hard not to be casual with a friend, but then when they have a real problem, it becomes problematic if it's casual, (laughs) if the treatment started off casual. So I actually start off my new patients um, with a mandatory hour um, initial and I do all my doctor stuff in that, like past health history, um, social history, and then really break down injuries. And and I really think that um, the way I talk to people and, and approach them from the get-go is, is very serious. I take their problems very seriously, whether it's, you know, I woke up and my neck was kinked or, you know, I can't walk because of my back, like, you know to very uh, ends of the spectrum. Like, they need to know that I'm taking their problems seriously. So, um, 
Yeah, I think it just comes down to like the way we talk about their problems and um, even like how I am in the clinic, like passing people in the hallway or um, or if I'm passing them in the gym, they're very different encounters, but it's business in the clinic setting and it's more casual outside of it. So, and I think, I think my patients would agree with that. Um, there's time, time to be serious and time to not be serious, I guess. Yeah. But, but environment-wise, I think making sure everyone else around me is also being professional as well, too, I think kind of sets the tone. I don't know if I have lots of work in answer. You might no, have to I think, I think, like, the extra bit, like how you said that, for the listeners who don't know, like, the clinic is attached to a gym that has a, a fitness studio, spin studio, and yoga studio, and a lot of us in the clinic will actually go to the classes and I think having members who are also patients seeing Sarah myself and other practitioners in here doing the classes with them they're kind of just taken back they're like oh you're you're gonna do this with us that's kind of cool and then you're having those small kind of conversations so that's another thing too is like I've met other chiropractors that are a little bit older and I don't even think they exercise. So it's like a huge bonus when you get to see a practitioner where they understand where you're coming from. And if you've actually done the same class that they had and they're complaining about low back pain, you can kind of relate to them a little bit more and kind of pinpoint, you know, maybe this pose in your yoga class is causing this, this, and this. But uh, why do you think a lot of chiros or just physicians in general don't really get the whole exercise thing? Wow. Loaded question. Boom. Um, I, I ask myself this a lot because when I was down in school in Portland, I was surrounded by a really close, tight-knit group of people that were very involved in the strength and conditioning and rehab side of treatment. And once you recognize the importance of a solid foundation of movement and how movement and strength training benefits your body, benefits injuries, um, it's hard to go back to the way you were before, you know, doing back and buys, chest and tries. You know better. <laughs> so my 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 thing is do those people just not know or do they not care i'm not sure but i i don't really know why other practitioners don't at least follow that mindset with their practice or with their own lifestyle but it's more work <laughs> to learn about something that's kind of outside your field but not really it shouldn't be separated but in school you don't learn anything about the benefits of strength training other than like oh yeah three, three times a week 30 minutes of exercise according to the you know whatever Canada health guide um, but if you really take the time to figure out what makes people better and what makes people feel better um, what helps injuries it it's really quite simple. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like, 
What's interesting enough is like with some of the physios and Carl's I've spoken to about exercise, they're either like on the spectrum spectrum of like, yeah, we're gonna do some clamshells and bird dogs and that's gonna fix everything yeah. or they see the value of exercise, but the way their practice is set up is they don't have enough time to actually like show people how to hinge or deadlift. And they're like, I wish I could do that, but I just don't have the setup to do it. So that's key, actually. If you break it down into business versus, I guess, the integrity of the practice, business-wise, it doesn't make sense to old-school chiros or old-school clinicians. Spending more time with the patient means they are going to be charged more for your time. And they, in, in maybe the clinician's mind, they could just go next door and get something cheaper for less time. And, and that's a good point too. Like my population that I work with is very specific, but at the same time, I attract the type of people that um, want to understand their bodies, that want to get better, that want to learn. Um, I don't get the types of people that want as much of a quick fix. And um, I think that's just because they, that I've, tr or at least I'm trying to um, display the value in that. And so I get referred people that hopefully <laughs> see the value in that as well. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, so kind of like where we're kind of heading now is kind of now explaining how you treat almost, like what our model is, because I think what we do together is super, super special, super cool. And even some of the practitioners I've had on my show and I kind of explain what I do and they're like, holy crap, like I wish I had that. So maybe for the audience, you can kind of tell like how, what you believe in treatment first. And like, you know, a lot of people think, oh, Kairos just snap necks and my T-spine and nothing else. And anytime we got a new patient that's seen other chiros they're like holy crap sarah's so different like i just don't get why i went to this other person so maybe we could start there and then get into like how we combine forces and just taking over the world so you're asking kind of my model of yeah of care um okay well let's get one thing straight like i i don't just adjust patients um maybe there's a time when someone comes in and i do only need to adjust them. I can't really remember when that would be. Um, I work a lot with my hands, so I do a lot of um, active release and um, instrument assisted. Uh, I do sliding cups, stationary cups. Um, what else do I use? Like I do skin rolling. A lot of a lot of other tools in my toolbox. Um, so. Knowing that I have all these tools that I can use for patients helps me um, identify, you know, no one person is gonna come in with uh, a, one specific problem. It's always more complicated than that. And if I can only treat one part of the problem, the person's less likely to get better. Now that doesn't mean I don't refer out to other professionals. I, I kind of know what I can and can't do. Um, I know what other people can and can't do. I have a great referral network because of that. And um, again, I think I just know better because of the research, because of um, everything I've learned working with athletes, with my, with my schooling. Um, I think I just, I know what's gonna help 
certain things and what's not going to help certain things. So um, I have all these modalities to help me figure that out. Um, so now when the exercise comes into it, most people that incorporate a rehab component to their patient's care um, understand the fact that loading a joint, loading a muscle, loading a ligament or any sort of tissue um, is beneficial and essential for the injury process. Um, the good thing is, is that I have all these tools to help create a change in the body. So um, I create that change and then the best thing to do right away is to load it um, or to, to move it. And that was essentially my idea coming out of school. And I was really worried I was going to lose that drive or that motivation because of how other people don't do it or it's it's a bit more challenging to create that model as a chiropractor um so that's kind of my motivating force is what gets people better okay we have to create a change so i have all these tools to create a change okay we need to load it okay i have now RAF comes into the equation. I have RAF to help um, people move and load it. I, I used to love doing the rehab by myself, um, but I think I've learned that, again, I can't be good at everything. And I think collaboration is key. So I've been very lucky to have found you um, because it keeps me good at what I'm good at right now. And then at the same time, like I have your help with um, with the things that are still essential for the patient. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and I think like the fact that we've found each other and like to bring some context to <laughs> this whole thing, like when I met Sarah. At Big Ridge? Or are we picturing Big yeah, Ridge? Yeah, Big Ridge, yeah, for the first time. <laughs> Um, and we like just started chatting and like she knew every single coach that I follow and I was like holy shit this is the first time a therapist actually knows who Mike Boyle is who Dean Somerset is like all the people that you know everyone here listening knows who they are and I was like crap I need to do something with this person because like <laughs> this is too good to like pass up and the fact that she also lifts heavy ass shit in the gym like match made in heaven essentially <laughs> so we were trying to like figure so out like how we can collaborate and we kind of created this new model of rehab that a lot of people are enjoying especially when i get the members of the gym coming in complaining of like oh my shoulder hurts and you take them on the gym floor yeah i follow what you know sarah will recommend but then i also ask them like what hurts in the classes and they tell me this this and this and now because of my experience of coaching it's like it's just an easy direction change of like this exercise will be better and they're like oh my god I feel so much better right like <laughs> those are the things that I wish like almost every chiropractor and physio had at their disposal because it goes a long way because I tell people all the time like you know you can be doing an exercise wrong and it won't really hurt right there and then but three months down the road repeating the same thing now you're like why does my back hurt <laughs> mm -hmm. but um and just to put that whole situation into context as well like from my standpoint when I came back to Canada after leaving grad school um, there were very few people that and so I had my tight-knit group of people and then we all dispersed and we became kind of like these randoms in in cities that didn't really have a lot in common with other people and um, when I met Raf I was like this is the first person 
that I've been able to connect with on all of these things that are so, so important to me and my career. And so that, that was pretty crazy. Cause, I mean, I didn't expect it to come from a trainer, to be completely honest. So It's just one of those things where, like, in my industry, the turnover rate is so high. Like, a lot of people get in the industry because they see an ad on Facebook saying that, oh, become a personal trainer, make 100 yeah. bucks an hour. <laughs> But then you got to look at your demographic. Like most people come in early in the morning and late at night. So now you're doing split shifts and now you're paying rent and now you're doing this. And then you're like, fuck, I don't think I can work 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single day and you can't make a living off it. So the people that are really passionate about it will start shining after a couple years. And like the people that I follow and the people I've had on this show are kind of like me where they don't stop learning. And all the people that I look up to are constantly just like, I know nothing. I have so much more to learn. And I think those kind of coaches tend to be the key players in the industry to make it better, whereas some other coaches just go into it where they kind of half-ass it and they're just like, meh, whatever, and they don't really look after continuing education. And I think that's, like, freaking huge. But But on top of that, any chiropractor, any physical therapist, any massage therapist, whatever, body worker, anyone that knows what they're doing in their mind or knows how to solve things or has it all figured out is complete BS. And it's the best uh, manual therapists out there that will admit that they know nothing at all but know the most out of everyone. So I think that that's huge right there. Like who, and that's what I want to work with like throughout my career is people that continue to push me and people that continue to search for answers. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on is like the chiropractic world itself. Like, so back in the day, probably in like the seventies and sixties, people just looked at chiros as like witch doctors. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm kind of curious, like how did the profession kind of start? And like, what was the theory behind it? Of like, basically just like kind of educate <laughs> us on like chiropractic one-on-one. Oh my gosh. This brings me back to my board exams. They actually asked questions like this. Um, Wow. So, chiropractic in the past was based around theories. Like, um, a couple ones we always joke about is like uh, bone out of place. Like, you know, I think I think it all started with some guy had an ear problem or he was deaf and he got his he someone poked on his neck and it popped and then he could hear again. Um, something crazy like that and hopefully no one no chiropractors listening to this um but so mostly it came from the idea that someone had a disease and it was stemming from their nervous system so um if one of your spinal vertebrae is shifted it will put some sort of dysregulation on your nervous system and it has to be put back into place so it all aligns again um now, I think that's why us progressive chiropractors absolutely hate when the old school chiropractors say that the, someone's neck was out or it was out of place or, you know, something's out. Um, it's impossible and it creates a false belief in patients. Um, so how did we get to where we are today? I think, I think chiropractic tried to hang on to their theories and beliefs for a long, long time until medicine was like, guys, like, 
we, you got to start looking at the science here. This doesn't make sense. Um, people start questioning them. Um, and then that's kind of where we're at now. Now, I think that's also why our field is so variable. There's people that really hang on to those beliefs. We still learn them in school. The school system has not changed that much. Um, yeah, they'll admit that a lot of this stuff is, is not realistic, but a lot of things still can't be explained. Like, like the people will get their babies looked at and they'll stop getting earaches, like weird things like that. And um, yeah, so, so again, that's probably why there's a lot of variability in that. A lot of us more evidence-based, as we'll call ourselves chiropractors, um, we look at the science more than the old school guys. Um, so maybe the next thing we can get into is like the benefits of adjustments and then kind of also t touching on why so many people are scared to get their neck adjusted, especially if they've never kind of experienced it before and like what are the benefits of getting your neck adjusted? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so adjustments have a lot of great benefits. Um, like all manual therapy we do, we are creating a stimulus and the body is responding. So um, that's just like a general look. If, if I'm creating a change in your body, um, it dysregulates the, the bad pattern going on. Um, think kind of FRC principles. Every, every joint needs to move through its full range of motion. Now our spine is constantly under compressive load during the day, walking, sitting, jumping, working out, and um, it needs to move as well. So uh, oftentimes getting the spine moving makes you feel good. Now everyone has their postural compensations. Um, we work on adjustments to get those things moving back to the way they should be so that everything else can work in correlation to that. Um, as well as the fact that all of the nerves come out of the spine and the spinal cord is protected by the vertebrae. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on that maybe we don't understand, but um, I mean, our nervous system is complex and it's a huge system in the body. So um, using the joints and um, yeah, us using the joints to um, change, change the nervous system is, can create a lot of different changes in the body. Um, lots of small little muscles attached to each vertebrae. Um, as we adjust, so an adjustment is a high velocity, low amplitude, so it's quick, but it's um, it's it's not too deep, and um, that creates a fast twitch response to the muscles, and they in return can release. Um, that's why adjustments can be more beneficial for uh, really painful necks versus um, just getting them mobilized, which would be a low, um, low velocity, low amplitude. So um, yeah, so the quick releases um, to all the structures around the vertebrae, changing the nervous system and um, getting things moving that maybe don't during the day. So what kind of advice would you have for someone who's a little bit nervous getting a neck adjustment for the first time? Yeah, so um, I always address that problem in the first visit. Like, what are your fears with seeing me? What have you been told? Um, I try to get that kind of out of the way. Um, there are amazing mobilizations for for the neck. Um, and a mobilization, again, is something less aggressive feeling. Um, 
my favorite thing to do is a mulligan mobilization. So it's basically the person moves with my hands as I kind of guide the joint. Um, the person moving creates, um, you know, a muscular component, and then me pressing on the, the joints helps the body um, accept the new motion that they're creating. So it's like a guided, a guided adjustment where the person feels in control of it, um, and it, and it's really, really beneficial. I do it on a lot of patients. Um, yeah, so I think I that's what I would do. It depends on the person, obviously. Um, sometimes I don't adjust. If someone's terrified of getting their neck adjusted, they're probably not going to be able to relax if I try to adjust their neck. So I'll at least try to mobilize it and work on the muscles and see see where we can get. Oftentimes people end up letting me adjust them if I think it's necessary. So people good. should not watch those YouTube videos. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Snapping necks with towels and shit like that. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Um, maybe the next thing we can get into, um, kind of like a two-part question. So the first one would kind of be like, what is the one kind of condition you see in the clinic where you're like, oh, I can't wait to work on this because it's so easy to treat? And then what's the one condition that comes in where you're just like, fuck, this is going to be really tough to, <laughs> to treat? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um... Oh, there's so many things I'd love to treat. I guess the first thing that would come to mind would be um, peripheral nerve problems, um, which can still come through low back pain, foot pain, leg pain, but they're oftentimes missed by a lot of other therapists. Um, I don't know why we don't learn about it as much, but um, so um, I love when someone has an old, old hamstring injury that hurts really bad when they stretch it because they continue to stretch it and really it has nothing to do with their hamstring at all. Their hamstring has healed and now their side nerves irritated. So I can, like th things like that get me really excited. Um, anything chronic that um, someone's been trying to treat for the past three to 12 months that's not getting better is usually something that I can identify right away, which is pretty cool. Um, I love, um, I love treating people that have low back pain, that um, just have no idea about their body, have never been told what's wrong with them or what's going on, what they can do. Um, education with low back pain can go a huge, like so, so far. Like for example, uh, we had a patient that had uh, low back pain, was getting treated for the past three, four months, that chiropractor gave up. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with you, man. And literally he came in here and I was like, well, what have you been doing? Like, what have you been doing to make you feel better? And all he had been doing was stretching forward, bending forwards, you know, flexing his back. And literally he had a flexion intolerant spine. He needed to not flex. So all I did was tell him to stop flexing forward and I told him, you know, some other things he could do instead. And he felt like 80% better in a week and we didn't really do anything. Like that kind of goes a really long way. And those are very, very rewarding. Um, now we've got that guy deadlifting in the gym, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> um, but uh, what was the second? Uh, what's the one condition that you have a really tough time treating? 
Oh, gosh. Well, the first thing that definitely comes to mind is... Um... Like, really, really chronic low back pain that has undergone a lot of degeneration and bony changes. Um, I get frustrated with those because I want them to feel better and I want to help them as much as I can, but you can't change the bony structures a lot. So um, a lot of that, again, comes to education, um, activity modification, and figuring out what they can do. Um, but I, I think those ones are the hardest because there's a certain point where it's like, well, you might not feel, you might never feel good. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, so those would definitely be the harder ones for me. Okay. I think another good question too is like, because pain is such a personal and emotional thing. And a lot of times when people have been dealing with an injury for a while, they almost feel helpless. So I'm kind of curious what kind of like advice or like things you say to a patient to kind of tell them that they're on the right pathway, but it's just going to take a little bit longer than they assume. Because especially now, like, like you go on Amazon, you order a book, and 24 hours, it's there. So, like, even in the fitness <laughs> side of the world, like, people expect that you're going to drop 40 pounds in six weeks, but really it's going to take, like, a year to keep it off. And, like, rehab's kind of the same thing where, like, you're not going to rehab your freaking ACL in two weeks. Like, you need some time. So what kind of advice do you give people in, like, chronic pain where you just know, like, they just need to, like, take some time and be consistent and eventually they'll see that result? Um, yeah, that's a really good point. A lot of people want a quick fix because everything we do these days is so, you know, I want this and I want it now. Um, what advice would I give them? Um, well, from the early stages, I always try to make those types of people feel independent. Um, like, hey, you're in control of um, this process and not putting that on me so that they don't become dependent on someone else determining, um, how they feel or what they do. Um, but I, I tend to be more supportive in the early weeks with those patients where, um, you know, you and I go through their exercises with them, um, consistently and check in with them. Um, I try to give them the highest payoff exercises early on so that they buy in and that they realize that some simple changes can really help them. Um, and that's usually movement-based uh, stuff um, because treatment, again, is a very, um, is, is, is not, doesn't make them feel very independent, it makes them feel like they depend on me to feel good. So I try to use movement and um, activity modifications um, as my first attack with those people and then kind of remind them like, hey, you know, look at what you're doing now and how you feel. Now let's like, um, let's keep going down that path. Um, so I, I don't know if that's really what you're looking for for an answer, but um, chronic pain patients are, are challenging, but usually they have some sort of, um, some, some sort of, um, something they've been told or haven't been told that is a huge limiter for them and making sure we identify that from the beginning is is really huge now again there's a couple patients that I would definitely be thinking of right now where maybe you know they they gave up and moved on um, sometimes you can just 
do as much as you can you know yeah. you can try to help everyone as much as possible and you know sometimes it's just it's more challenging but and then I'll refer out if I feel like I'm not the person to, to do the job sure. um, so maybe for one of the last ish questions um, what's kind of exciting you in the chiropractic field where like whatever resource you're following where you're like fuck this is gonna like be huge or like you're just like can't wait to see what's gonna happen like what's exciting you in the chiropractic field in the chiropractic field yeah <laughs> um I, don't, I feel like i don't really yeah. follow anything in the chiropractic field um oh so many things are exciting uh, like the big thing I feel like I'm excited about right now is um, my CrossFitters, my and my my older CrossFitters, the people that want to now move and lift weights and be healthy. Um, that maybe have challenges moving or don't want to get injured or you know don't understand their bodies i feel like i've gotten really excited about um ways we can help these people um you know kind of outside of the clinic so like um the mobility and the um injury seminars and um just awareness i think um i get really excited when well, when you and I have a patient that lifts heavy stuff every day and can't do a single leg deadlift, <laughs> yeah. um, it's just <laughs> like, um, that's exciting because it makes me realize how many other people don't get it, um, yeah. or, you know, don't, don't understand the mobility component of it. So, so I, I guess that's not really specific to my field. Um, I want to dive more into neurodynamics. So, um, Neurodynamics is essentially uh, looking at um, the nerves and um, their impact on injuries, how to identify if it's a nerve involvement um, as well as the injury. Um, I'd like to dive into that a little bit more. Um, what else in my field? I've had a lot of um, really interesting migraine patients that have got me thinking a bit more about um, acupuncture and IMS and um, I know the chiropractic profession is really fighting to get that in our scope of practice and um, although at first I would have said that you know I have lots of tools in my toolbox I can just refer out for IMS or acupuncture I think it could be pretty cool to have that tool readily available for that one day where maybe I need it quickly um, that would be really really neat um, so that, I guess I would be chiropractic specific. Um, there's so many things I'm excited about and it, it's almost challenging because you like get, it's hard to dial in, <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> okay, so maybe for the last question, um, you can tell the audience where they can find more information about you you can plug restore like crazy on this little last section and where people can contact you if they have more questions about what you and I do 
any kind of like rehab questions and things like that? Um, okay. Well, I can be found pretty much every day at the Restore Clinic. Um, yeah, look us up online. We're Restore Rehab. Is it Restore Rehabilitation and Wellness? I think it's just Rehab and Wellness. Okay, Restore Rehab and Wellness. <laughs> CA. Um, it has all of our clinic info. Um, it needs to be updated a little bit um, to reflect some of our new changes, but um, it has all of our info on there. Um, I love talking to people um, through email, um, even through Instagram Messenger. I've been fine um, reaching out to people that way. Um, on Instagram, Restore Rehab Wellness, and uh, Facebook as well. Um, you can find us on there. Um, but the big thing I tell people is to um, come by the clinic, say hi. Um, Raf and I are always here. And um, we love talking to people about what's going on and making sure that um, you know they're gonna be in the right place where they need to be, whether it's here or not. Um, we have an amazing team at Restore. We have two amazing massage therapists, Melanie and Tom. Uh, they're just incredible. They both have something interesting to offer, um, and I've collaborated with them quite a bit in the last couple of months, and that's been really, really cool. Um, we have an amazing osteopath, Sonia. She does things that I don't really understand, but I think that that has been super helpful for a lot of very complicated patients. And um, yeah, she's, she's incredible. And then Dr. Gibbons, our naturopath, he is a wealth of knowledge. I've collaborated with him quite a bit um, with his acupuncture and his physical medicine. Um, he whips up a sweet IV for everyone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we also have a great uh, training team with uh, Aura Fitness and Yoga. And um, yeah, I love getting people in here for some yoga and uh, working. Sometimes I'll even invite people to come come to a yoga class if I feel like they need it. Do it with me. I'll show up with you. Um, yeah. I'm not very good at plugging myself, but um, reach out to me. My email's uh, Dr. S. Forster at restorerehabandwellness.ca. That's D-R-S-F-O-R-S-T-E-R at restorerehabandwellness.ca. Perfect. Crush this thing. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap up episode Two nineteen with Dr. Sarah Forster. Hopefully you enjoyed that one as much as I did. If you have any questions for Sarah, feel free to reach out and ask. Ask her on freaking Facebook, Instagram, our restore page, whatever you got to do. And again, my book is done. I'm just waiting for the designer to get back to me with a website that's good enough for my standards and you guys will be ready to purchase my first ever fitness ebook. So still hit the show notes, get your name on the pre-sale list if you haven't done so already, and you will be the first in line to receive your own freaking ebook that I've created, the Ironclad Body Training System. Super psyched. All right. Have a wonderful day. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Crush life. Crush everything you see today. This is going to be an amazing day for both of us. Until next time, you guys.